continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago called A Little Bit of Wisdom Goes a Really Long Way. And here's the, the essence of this series. I wanted to give you five questions to help guide you as we prepare for this next season of life to step into, because the premise of this series is simply better questions lead to better decisions and fewer regrets. And maybe we came into the pandemic with a lot less better decisions, a lot more regrets. And what I think this season gives us is an opportunity uh, to kind of have our own metamorphosis, our own transformation. And that's one of those words, I don't know if you uh, remember, but one of the beauties of being around kids is they remind you frequently of the crazy, miraculous things in this world. Um, Metamorphosis is one of them. I don't know if you remember the first time you learned about how a dirty-looking little worm goes into a cocoon and becomes a beautiful butterfly, or how something stuck in the water swimming with a flappy little tail becomes a frog in a miraculous transformation that we call metamorphosis, right? And, and I remember, like, it's one of those words when you first learn about it, you almost think it's magical. You're like, fairies must be real because if worms become butterflies, then there is no limit to what can happen in this world, right? And a tadpole can become a frog, not exactly an improvement on looks, but still, like, it's, it's impressive because it goes from being stuck in the water to now hopping around on land. In fact, I don't know if you've ever seen a tadpole that doesn't become a frog. Have you ever seen a tadpole that doesn't become a frog? It is the ugliest thing you'll ever see. Unfortunately for you, I have a picture because I should have a picture of that. So when um, some scientists were doing um, some research in a pond in Arizona looking for an invasive species, they came across something that they thought was a fish. It's this ugly creature. And when they reached down to grab it and they held it, what they found was this. And what that is, is a tadpole that never became a frog. Something hormonally got off and The transformation never took place, and it just kept getting fatter and fatter and fatter till it became almost a foot long and looked like some deformed fish. Now, here's what I want to do today, because here's the reality of this series, that all those questions are really helpful. These five questions that have been largely informed by Andy Stanley's new book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, great summer read if you haven't read it, is that if we're not careful... My fear for you and for me specifically is that in the midst of this pandemic, when we could have stepped back, looked at our lives, reevaluated where we are, made a series of decisions, maybe to kind of step into this next season and to, to live our lives intentionally different, to parent different, to do finances different, to do careers different. The challenge is, is that if we're not careful, instead of coming out of this thing like a frog, we come out of this thing like a fat tadpole, right? Because... I know I got the COVID-19, and I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about the 19 pounds I gained from not doing anything through the entire pandemic, right? But I don't mean a literal fat tadpole, although I have gained a little bit of weight. I mean that we never actually embrace the moment that God has given us and allow the transformation to happen. And today I want to look at one of the most powerful forces influencing your life and my life that has been largely, in a way, ignored over this last year, but is going to get really present for us in this next season that we're about to step into. And it's a force that is present in the story that I want us to look at today. It's a story found in part of a two-volume set in the history books of the Jewish scriptures or what Christians call the Old Testament. It's in a two-volume set called First and Second Kings. If you've never read First and Second Kings, 
This historical volume is about the kings of Israel. David being the most famous of all kings um, in Israel's history. He was the one who killed Goliath. David had a son named Solomon who became the next king. And Solomon was an incredible leader. Um, He was a builder. He had expanded the influence of Israel both like militarily, economically. Israel became overnight under his leadership a powerhouse in the Middle East. They built phenomenally large structures, and and Solomon led them into a period of incredible economic growth. But then Solomon passed away, and all of this grand hopes of the empire was given over to his son. But there was also another element that was given over to his son. There was a, a series of disunity. There was some divisiveness. There was some political discord and warring factions, stuff that we don't completely understand at all, right? All of it simmering underneath the surface. And this is where his son Rehoboam steps into, and that's the part of the story I want to climb onto today. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Now when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. So Jeroboam had been living as an exile because in some ways he'd become kind of this political opponent to Solomon. Now in a day and age of kings, it's usually not wise to become a political enemy to a king. And so because of that, Nebit, uh, that Jeroboam, son of Nebit, had actually to flee to Egypt where he could hide. And yet when Solomon passed away, Jeroboam saw this is his moment. So he comes back. And he returns from Egypt. And he, along with all the assembly of Israel, and this is why it says assembly of Israel. It's really important to know about um, Jewish history and the nation of Israel. Is the nation of Israel was actually 12 tribes that came together. Okay? So if you think the current kind of political climate between Democrats and Republicans are intense, imagine having 12 of them. Okay? With all... 12 news channels that they all listen to to reinforce their beliefs. This is exactly what he stepped into. 12 warring tribes, all frustrated with Solomon. Jeroboam comes in to give voice, and it says that they go to Rehoboam, and they said to him, your father put a heavy yoke on us. Essentially, your father made us his slaves. The nation, economically, militarily, civilly, structurally, it grew, but it grew on our backs off of the hard labor and strain that your father put on us, and we're done with it. And he says, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. He said, Rehoboam, we're willing to give you a chance. So Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. And so the people went away. Rehoboam recognizes in the moment he's got the entire nation in front of him, and they're all angry and frustrated at his father. And so Rehoboam does something very wise. He says, I need some time. I I need to think through what you have come to me with. And Rehoboam is about to do something that is incredibly even wiser than giving himself some time and space. He goes and seeks advice. In fact, It says, King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So here's the group of men who had served as an advisor to Solomon, 
And they say, Rehoboam, we watched how your father put on the backs of his people the heavy load, the taxation, the weight, the work. Rehoboam, we think if you, if you pump the brakes a little bit from your father's leadership style and you serve them, that in the end, they'll start serving you again, which seemed like really good advice. And so Rehoboam did exactly what you would expect. He rejected their advice that the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. So Rehoboam makes a really good decision to go and listen to the elders. And then he makes the really poor decision to reject them. And what does he do? He goes out to the group of people who are going to see the world the way he sees it and who are going to tell him what he wants to hear. A group of men who had grown up with him, which is synonymous with they were still living in their mother's basement playing PlayStation 5 because they hadn't grown up either. They're in the process. They haven't stepped into adulthood. They're adulting, but they're not adults. And so he arrives, and he asks them, what is your advice? Because that always works well, right? When someone has a bad marriage. That's the perfect person to ask for advice about marriage. When someone's constantly overspending on their credit card, those are the best people to give you financial advice, right? I mean, if someone is languishing in their career and they don't have life figured out, those are the best people to sit down and tell me, what's the three-step plan to finding a career I'm going to love? But this is exactly what he does. He says, okay, what advice can you give me? Group of people who are just like me, who are only as old as I am and have only seen as much as I've seen. And they, how should I answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. And he's like, oh, that's good. He's taking notes. Now, an important thing to notice, because there's some nuance in this thing, um, the reason they say that is because in this day and age, it's a little bit of the opposite of actually our culture today. In our culture, um, well, in, in this culture, in that time period, um, the bigger you were, the wealthier, and the more um, kind of higher you were in status. Because this was a day and age where food was scarce, where you, know, you couldn't go to Walmart, there wasn't refrigerators or pantries, and so the bigger you were, the, the, obviously the more influence and stature and wealth you had. And so Solomon was a big guy. He was the king leading a very wealthy nation. So Solomon was a large man. Now, my little finger is the smallest part of my body right here. And so they say, well, my, fa- my little finger is bigger than my father's waist, which is just a really neat way of saying, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. You wait till I step in to this role. He said, my father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Now, he's not meaning like the, like, you know, the tail thing. Like, he's not talking about actually hitting people with scorpions. A scorpion was a whip that had bone crushed and pressed into the leather so that where a regular whip would just slap you on the back, a scorpion would actually slap you on the back, rip into your skin, and rip it out. You would use a whip with a slave. You would use a scorpion with a criminal. 
He's saying, if my father made you slaves, I'm going to make you and treat you like criminals because of the defiance of you coming in here and trying to tell me what to do. The bravado of you people. I'm your king. You haven't seen anything yet. And so, three days later, when Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king has said, come back to me in three days, the king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scores you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. He takes the exact words spoken to him by his loser reject friends. And he walks into a, na a nationwide assembly and repeats those words. In a nation that is literally on the precipice of a divide, everything is hinging on his words. And the words he chooses comes from his friends, not the elders. Which begs the question, while I recognize from many of us, our decisions, our words aren't going to cause a nation to fall. But there's something even more important than the nation of Israel that hangs in the balance of our lives. It's our lives, our marriages, our finances, our parenting, our careers, our health. Those things hang in the balance of what's being playing out in front of us. You see, I think that while our choices ultimately with these five questions we've been looking at over the last few weeks and the next two weeks, while those five questions are essential, there's something even more powerful than the choices in our lives. It's the voices in our lives. The voices underneath our lives. I would argue that in this past year, it has never been easier for a human to live in an echo chamber. That in the middle of of being shut down, stuck to our electronic devices with algorithms serving up what we want to hear, what we want to see, when we want to see it. It has never been easier in human history to only hear the voices you want to hear, to only see what you want to see, to only read the news you want to read with your slant, with your perspective baked in. And that what happens when we live in that type of world is those voices start to influence our choices. There have been so many things that have played out in this last year through the pandemic that I'm convinced would have never happened had we not been all living in our echo chambers. People have risen to power. People have manipulated those echo chambers for their own power and their own prosperity. Because what they recognize that we sometimes miss is that the strongest voice has an influence in the choices we make. And this is exactly what plays out in Rehoboam's life. The voices in his life eventually affect the choice he makes with his life. That he shows up and he repeats the words that he's heard from that reject group who had no idea what they were talking about, but said it with so much confidence that it must be right. Which begs the question, who are the voices in your life. It's worth paying attention to those voices. It's worth being aware of the voices in your life. If, you've, if you're in the process of making choices right now, what are some of the influences shaping that choice? I mean, for many of us, 
when we were growing up as teenagers, this was a really important lesson. And we think when we get past that teenage year that this doesn't matter. But I would argue it actually matters more. Because the strength of the relationships in your life, the finances in your life, if you want a picture of where you're headed, look around with who's traveling with you. If you want to know where you're headed in life, we get this with our teenagers, right? Like, don't hang out with them. Why? Because if you hang out with them, you might turn out like them. And for us, as we get into this next season, I think you and I have an incredible opportunity. It's kind of taking us back to our teenage years, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I wasn't necessarily cool. Um, Obviously, I walk around with pictures of fat tadpoles to show people, right? Not cool in the adult years, definitely not cool in the teenage years either, right? And so, like, for me, what I loved was every summer, I got a chance to hit reset. I could walk into school on the new day of the first day of school, and I could say, hey, and they're like, weren't, weren't you that kid, you know, with the fat tadpole picture last year? And I'm like, no, no, no. That was the old me. This is the new me who doesn't carry around the fat tadpole picture in my wallet. It's a poster hanging in my room, right? I mean, so it's like you got a chance every year to kind of hit reset and to form new relationships. And I think we all have been given an opportunity in this season to form new friendships and to make new connections and to ask ourselves, were the voices in my life before this moment good voices or bad voices? Were they the type of voices that were going to shape and move my life to a better place Or to a worse place. Because eventually the voices in your life will start to influence the choices in your life. And if you and I are going to come out of this thing not looking like a fat tadpole, but actually embracing the opportunity to become a frog and to actually step into a transformed life, to use this as a defining mark that says after the pandemic, my life looked different. Actually, well, I started exercising or I... You know, actually, I went back to school because I decided that was the career path I wanted to take in my life. That was what I wanted to know. Or I started hanging out with a different group of people. That it may seem small and trivial, but it's a little bit of wisdom that can go a really, really long way. And one of the best voices in your life is the voice of God that comes through the scriptures that we unpack every single week here. It's that voice that comes from the outside because a lot of times we, we don't want to hear certain things because we don't want to respond certain ways. We want to hear what we want to hear. We don't want to hear that they're bad news or that's a bad decision or that's a bad choice. And yet what God does that's so convenient is he doesn't care that we don't want to hear it. And he gives us an incredibly gracious act of love where he gives us the truth that can set us free, which is why this summer, one of the things that I want to do, and one of the things I'm going to be doing beginning July 28th, is I'm going to do a summer book study called Tim, The Last Word, and it's just an opportunity on Wednesday nights for us to kind of walk through for four weeks, so while we're still in the middle of summer, to intentionally bring in even a louder, even a a more clarifying voice of God. It's, It's a study on the book of 2 Timothy, which was the last letter that Paul wrote before he died. It's one of my favorite books in all of the New Testament letters because it's a book that has so much clarity for life. You see, you and I are going to get somewhere at the end of our life. The question is, is are you going to get there on purpose? 
You're already on a road. Where's this road taking you? Because the decisions and the direction of our lives, not the intentions of our lives, that's what ultimately determines where we end up. And the beauty of studying someone who's gotten to the end of their life with wisdom and with clarity, who've endured hardships, can be really helpful as we get an opportunity to reimagine what our lives could look like. But it's not just, that's not just the only way that we can leverage the power of voices in our lives, where we allow God to have a greater, stronger voice. And by the way, if you want to sign up for that and get more information, go to encounterchurch.com forward slash Tim, T-I-M, or you can click on in the app and sign up through our starting point or in our message notes. Um, But this is a, a wonderful opportunity. But another way is to actually, some of you have wisdom and you don't speak up. And we're in a season as a church where we're trying to return to weekly services, where we need a, a dozens of more people to step in so that we can return to that weekly gathering. And the beauty is that there is voices in this room, there are voices listening online who could influence and impact the choices of the next generation or the influence the, the choices of this generation. That there is a place for you, no matter what your passion, no matter what your ability, there is a place for you to contribute your voice in this church and begin to serve. Not every single week, but maybe you decide, I want to serve twice a month. And that one of the ways that you and I can become more intentional about the power of voice is to actually contribute our voice and help influence the choices. And so if that's you, then I want to encourage you to go to encounterchurch.com forward slash serve. That you fill out this form, we'll follow up with you and let you know the different opportunities. There's even on the forms some ways that you can tell us, hey, here's what I would like to do or here's what I'd be interested in doing. Because when we bring our voice intentionally, when we become intentional about the power of voices in our lives, it starts to impact our choices. And that little bit of wisdom, it seems small, but that little bit of wisdom from that story that we read through the day can have a huge impact on our lives. But here's the last thing I want to leave with you, because I think it's really important. This fat tadpole was named Goliath. Goliath is, um, was, was taken out of the pond and was put inside of an aquarium so that they could study him because they were really curious, why did he never become a frog? They eventually figured out chemically um, what was playing out that was preventing him from transforming. But to give you a scope and the scale, this is the size of what the tadpole should have looked like. This is what he turned into. And Goliath eventually passed away in 2019, and he never became a frog. And what I love about this season, while it's been really hard for us, is it's given us an opportunity to reevaluate our lives. And let's just be real. For Maybe for some of us, we look in the mirror, and today we've just been encouraged and inspired and say, yes, I want to contribute my voice, and yes, I'm surrounded by people who are positive voices in my life. But maybe for some of us, we look in the mirror throughout this pandemic, and we notice that we've been alone. Or maybe we notice the power of addiction that crept back in. Or maybe we saw some things, and and the regrets were a constant reminder. And I don't want to just leave you with this simple principle about the power of voices to impact our choices without speaking to the fact that some of us feel stuck in this. And we feel like we can never transform, that we're going to end up just like Goliath, permanently in this state. But what's incredible is that when scientists eventually started to put labels 
to the process where caterpillars become butterflies and when tadpoles become frogs. They were trying to search the lexicon of the words that existed to capture what exactly is playing out. They're like, what do we call this moment? And they landed on a word that was used by Paul, the apostle, when he was writing in the letter of Romans to capture the transformation that Jesus brings. That when Paul writes the words in Romans 12, 1 and 2 about transformed, he uses a word that scientists pull out that becomes the word that we call metamorphosis. See, scientists borrowed the concept of transformation from what Jesus does and what Jesus can do for every single person who responds to his truth and his love and his grace. That no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter where you've come from of what you've done, you don't have to stay a fat tadpole. That the grace and the goodness of God is that you and I can be transformed no matter how far along or how far gone we feel. And that if the scientists could recognize the power of the transformation that Jesus brings and for them to borrow that word, then maybe for some of us, the first choice we need to make today is to respond to that voice of God saying, I'm still in the business of transforming people and bringing life where there's been death and bringing hope where there's been despair or bringing freedom where there's been chains. Because he's still in the business of doing that. And that regardless of where you are, what you're processing through right now, for you and I, let's commit in the midst of this series with intentionality that we're, we're not going to be content with staying one of these, but ultimately that we'll be transformed and move from that fat tadpole into that frog by embracing the power of the voices in our life so that we can make better choices, have better decisions, and fewer regrets.